Uh, not looking so good in Asian stock markets at the moment, though. The ASX 200 in Australia is down about a third of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is off a quarter of a percent. The Cosby also down about uh, a quarter of a percent. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to open flat later on this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. Uh, the weather forecast for today, cloudy, slightly cooler with a few rain patches. Maximum temperature is going to be about 21 degrees. And the forecasters say there's going to be a few rain patches tomorrow. It's going to be foggy on Friday, but the weather will improve gradually over the weekend. The temperature right now, 19 degrees, 74% relative humidity. It's 8.30 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Schools and places of worship are to be closed for two weeks in a suburb near New York in an effort to contain one of the worst outbreaks of coronavirus in the U.S. Local media are reporting the outbreak centres on a synagogue in New Rochelle. Nationwide, over 760 people have been infected. President Trump insists the situation is under control. We're prepared and we're doing a great job with it and it will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. We want to protect our shipping industry, our crews. Uh, industry, cruise ships. Uh, we want to protect our airline industry, very important. The British government has defeated a rebellion from its own Conservative MPs over the decision to give the Chinese technology company Huawei a role in building the UK's 5G data network. Here's the BBC's Ian Watson. The number of rebels at 38 was slightly higher than expected. They included a range of former cabinet ministers who argued that Huawei was in effect a front for the Chinese state and its involvement in building Britain's 5G network should be phased out within three years. There'll be another vote on the 5G network before the summer and if Downing Street wants to quell the rebellion, further concessions may be required. The government has argued that the Chinese company won't have access to sensitive sites and will provide what it calls only non-core parts of the network, such as masts. The former Vatican treasurer, Cardinal George Pell, is making a final attempt in Australia's top court to overturn his conviction for child sex abuse. Pell, who's 78, was sentenced a year ago. He lost, his first, he lost a first appeal in August. Here's the BBC's Shaima Khalil. George Pell is currently serving a six-year prison sentence after a jury unanimously found him guilty of sexually abusing two choir boys in St. Patrick's Cathedral when he was Archbishop of Melbourne back in 1996. The case shook Australia, but it also rattled the Catholic Church, mainly because of how prominent George Pell is. Not only was he the Vatican's treasurer, but he was one of the Pope's closest advisors, though he has since been demoted from the pontiff's inner circle. Russia's parliament has moved a step closer to approving constitutional changes which could keep President Putin in power until 2036. If members pass a final vote, Mr Putin will be allowed to run for two more terms after he'd been due to step down. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewis and your co-host today is Karen Coe. Karen, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Hugh. We're talking today about terrorism, the police seizure of, quote, significant quantities of homemade explosives and bomb-making material over the weekend. 
and the arrest of 17 in a series of raids is raising again the question of whether there is terrorism in Hong Kong and what follows from the answer. The police say local terrorism is gaining steam. So is it time to use our anti-terrorism laws? What would the consequences be here and abroad? Why is the official threat level only moderate? Is the police response appropriate or inadequate or overkill? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Call us on 233-88266. From 9.15 to uh, the end of the programme, we could be talking about the property market and what impact the COVID-19 situation is having on the market in Hong Kong. Joining us for our first discussion, though, we have with us now uh, Steve Vickers, CEO of Steve Vickers and uh, Associates. Uh, Steve Vickers Associates is the specialist political and corporate risk consultancy. Fred Lee joins us, former lawmaker and now political consultant. And Alan Lung, who's the convener of the Path of Democracy. Once again, our telephone number, you want to join the discussion, is 233-88266. First of all, just a little uh, leftover or reflecting on yesterday's programme. This is from Bowen, who says the discussion yesterday by John Nichols and you hear about live animal markets in China was most timely. While, as Professor Nichols pointed out, such markets also exist in other Southeast Asian countries and there have also been infectious disease outbreaks resulting in human deaths in some of them, such as Indonesia and Vietnam, probably none of these countries has produced new strains of viruses capable of infecting humans as frequently as China. Prior to COVID-19, the precursor of the H5N1 of avian flu, which spread to humans in 1997, was first detected in Guangdong. Then we had SARS and the first case of human infection by the influenza a virus subtype H7N9 also occurred in China in 2013. This is just a cursorily prepared list. Uh, Professor Nichols seems to suggest yesterday that stricter management of the markets, including daily disinfection and other related measures, would be sufficient, but caution and reserve judgment is appropriate in the case of the mainland, as this is a vast country, and it's not clear if strict enforcement of high standards in all the markets across the country can be maintained on a long-term basis. At the very least, live animals caught from the wild, if not all live animals should be eliminated from the markets since the daily congregation by workers and customers in these markets continually give new strains of viruses opportunities to mutate in the bodies of animals until they succeed in infecting humans directly objectively this is a crazy situation and it's time to put a stop to it that comes uh, from Bowen. If you want to comment uh, on that or today's topic, give us a call, 233-88266, or, or drop us an email. Peter, we'll get to your uh, interesting uh, email a little bit later. Okay, okay well, let's let's start off our discussion then with Steve Vickers, who joins us on the line. So, um, Steve, if we, we look at what um, Hugh had mentioned earlier in our introduction, that the police say local terrorism is gaining steam. Would, would you agree with that? I think it's how you you define it. Um, I mean, terrorism is, is <clears throat> the sort of textbook definition, anyway, from terrorism school is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians, in, in, the, in the pursuit of a political gain. That, that's the, the textbook definition of, of terrorism. Um, clearly, we had a, a, a pretty worrying situation in Hong Kong. There's been, um, I think, 10 bomb plots foiled since the... Um, disturbances kicked off about eight months ago. Fortunately, this is, I think, done by a, a very small radical group of, um, I can't comment on the people who've been arrested uh, at the weekend, but fortunately, I mean, it does seem to reflect a, a small splinter group, not a, um, uh, not a uh, widely supported uh, group of people. 
But it is indeed worrying when people are building explosives, and there's a particularly bad case, I think, in Mongkok, where there was an attempt in the end of October to let a bomb off outside Mongkok police station, aimed at the police. It went off, but the, the, the quality of the chemicals was insufficient um, to produce the result that they wanted. I mean, the truth is this, as long as uh, the, the authorities seem unable to, to our authorities, unable to deal with the, the core of the matter, the situation will build up. And uh, a little similarly to uh, in Europe and in, um, North, in, in Northern Ireland, where eventually a hard core of radicals come to the conclusion that the, the use of the bomb or the gun is the, is the right way to go. Um, so the longer this had a lull in the violence, largely due to the, the corona uh, issue. Um, but we, the government remains hostage to events. Um, as, the host, as the virus diminishes in, in its effect, other triggers, such as the courts getting back to business and finding um, radical protesters guilty of, of, of arson or other serious offences, will result in um, other trigger points. Um, Essentially, weapon seizures will kind of underline how radicals linked to the protest movement, a small group, as I say, could yet morph into a small insurgency. Mm. Use of uh, IEDs or improvised explosive devices would have major implications. I mean, even even if it's just a small group, it isn't that enough? I mean, the, the no, government would say... Uh, you know. And it needs to be cracked down. I mean, I would say... And, um, I mean, I have, I'm up for free demonstrations and free, um, free expression of rights. I'm absolutely not up for people planting bombs, and we need to crack down on these people really very hard. Uh, there was a lot of media hype about um, passing new, new, um, new terrorism laws and what have you. Frankly, we've got all the laws we need to deal with um, people planting bombs. Well, tell, tell us more about that, actually, because we, we do have this United Nations uh, Anti-Terrorism terrorism Measures Ordinance. What, what does that provide for, and, and how would that work? It doesn't really help. I mean, to be honest, look, we, we, planting bombs, possession of explosive, conspiracy, we have it all in Hong Kong already. This, this would, be a, it would be a symbolic gesture as opposed to a, um, uh, the crimes ordinance. We have a... We have it in spades in Hong Kong. We're not short of we're not short of laws necessary to combat this sort of situation. Um, in international law, I think, unless I'm unless I'm wrong and I'm not a lawyer, but I recall back in 2002, following the 911 attacks, uh, in 2002, an ordinance that was never enacted kicked in. Um, essentially, we have all the laws we need in Hong Kong to, to do this. This would be a, um, this would be a statement. Um, would, would, it, would it make it things be better or worse, do you think? What, yeah, what would be the effect if you, if you did label this terrorism and start prosecuting people under this terrorist law? What would happen then, do you think? As a business guy, I mean, my, I advise big corporations on, on issues, so the sort of things that would be impacted, that we know it really impact on the ground in terms of the situation. The police have the powers necessary and are actually doing a, a very proactive job on picking up the people uh, allegedly in possession of these um, devices, chemicals, and the rest. The real effect might be if you own the big, if you own big shopping malls, uh, or, or, or other uh, public infrastructure that that is, or, or, or private public infrastructure that would be exposed, your, your insurance premiums could go up extraordinarily. It also could cause great 
uh, we've already had considerable disruption in, in society. We don't need any more. Uh, for example, the, la the latest um, bombing threats were, if you don't close the Chinese border, we're going to let bombs off. Um, so we had the, 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 more, the, the, the most recent ones were the Caritas bomb, uh, the Shenzhen Bay bomb, and bombs on the, bombs on the, the trains, one or two of which went off, one or two didn't. Uh, we also have beginning to see the use of pipe bombs, which is that any of you from California would know tied the government's uh, time up for a very long time uh, historically. So we've we've got a small group of people who who've, who are clearly uh, utterly disaffected. This is the sort of thing that happened in in both in Northern Ireland and and in in, yeah, in the, with, with the Basques. Where if no progress whatsoever is seen, you end up with a small splinter group who decide on extreme and violent measures um, as being the way forward. Um, we appear, the police appear to be on top of that. They, 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 they've acted proactively to seize um, to seize explosives uh, over the weekend and three, I think, two or three partially completed bombs, brackets allegedly. Um, there appear to be sophisticated electronic initiation systems are already available here in Hong Kong. So it would be important to keep, um, uh, to keep a handle on this. Uh, I, I mean, I advise corporations. Um, so one of the things that, that we're advising uh, corporations is obviously to evaluate their physical threat, every, uh, evaluate plans for how to deal with not just real bombs, but more likely hoax bombs, how to handle it, what level of search is are appropriate in a, in a threat. Um, and then preparation of plans to work with the police or the authorities uh, to respond to the actual use of explosive devices if it, if it becomes widespread. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when you're advising, you know... No indication. Yeah, when you're talking to sort of multinationals or something, if the multinational, the guy sitting in the head office in somewhere else, uh, sees that there is terrorism now in Hong Kong... Does that affect them? Do they freak out? Is that I mean, are they are the police and the authorities because they obviously kind of wary about use about actually committing to saying there's terrorism? Is are those kind of those kind of worries a consideration when they make that judgment? Do you think? Well, you're quite right with the word terrorism. The word terrorism, of course, came came out of the uh, I, I believe uh, from years ago, and <laughs> I think it came out from the French Revolution at the end of the 18th century, and then it. it, it became more um, prevalent via Northern Ireland, Basque nationalists, Palestine, and the like. The use of the word is, is often more, uh, more worrying than the, um, the actual... But what we're dealing... What we were probably going to be dealing with is an IED campaign, an, an improvised explosive device campaign aimed at destabilizing or causing problems in our society. That's the actual threat. The use of the word terror is really damaging in insurance and perception uh, in perception terms but in reality what we, we, we need to handle will be the use of improvised explosive devices in support of um, of their demands but that's that's actually what we're confronting can, um, can we bring um, Fred Lee into the conversation uh, mr. Lee w what are your views I mean would you do you think that we do have to be very careful in saying that terrorism is um, exists in Hong Kong. I mean, does that does that put us on uh, some other level? Does it does it trigger certain things? Um, so far, we only you know uh, 
learn from the news report that uh, you know that's also shocking. You know about two and a half ton materials, and uh, quite a lot of people arrested. But as outsider, or I know nothing about the bomb, but uh, of course we are also scared by the bomb. And uh, so far, so far, you know they they have the, all the information, inside information. So so nothing really uh, serious bomb, you know, incident happened so far. Only those, uh, you know, uh, fake bomb in the in the railway, in the railroad, and some things like that. So uh, for my, if, if you ask me, I, I, I'm not sure this is really terrorism, but uh, but among of the, you know, uh, material now, you know, caught by the police is shocking. And uh, we need the police to tell us more, you know, um, such as the, the, you know, the, 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 the how much bomb they get made and uh, where they come from, and uh, and more importantly, you know, who supported, funded, especially the young people. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I think they they won't come out from their own pocket to buy those things, uh, and, and not, not. I think we need experts, you know, to ship in to import import those things to Hong Kong and to make it, you know, not to mention about you know really final the bomb so um so far uh, i was so i was shocked but uh, about terrorism you know usually we thought about like the middle east you know in uh, fighting for independent of nations and a lot of uh, killing bloodshed you know and uh, so far touch wood you know with the bomb is not really in in in, in the place yet uh, so that that's why we need the police to be more transparent. We need to know if anything won't do in the law. But I'm sure we have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, ordinance, you know, uh, quite heavy, you know, about you know making bomb and, uh, and anything related to bomb. So um, whether it's terrorism, you know, usually Hong Kong people, uh, one of as I'm one of the Hong Kong people. I'm not really um, so far still uh, accepted that is uh, the terrorism is already coming to Hong Kong. Okay, our number is 233 We've got a caller on the line. I think it's Mike again. Mike, hi, good morning. Yeah, good morning. I think it's surprising that nobody mentions it. Terrorism lets the insurance company off the hook. Something, something happens uh, and it's deemed as terrorism. Read your insurance policies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they don't cover yeah. terrorism usually. They, they, terrorism. Don't cover, they don't cover terrorism. And so, if no, that's not quite. With respect, it depends what kind of policy it is. And well, I'm telling, but I'm telling you, in general, look at your insurance policy, and it says, "Well, if this was, if this happens under terrorism, we don't have to pay off." So, Mike, are you saying that? It, well, I think it, that's it, a very big generality, and any of the major insurance policy, insurance policy, and that's perhaps uh, that may have been true. But I think as things have evolved, most of the major corporations airlines and others have addressed this. I mean, for example, from the, there's been a, a pipe bomb on 8th of March, fake bomb 20th February, 5th of February, a fake bomb typo MTR, 4th of February, explosion in uh, Lychee Cock, bombs well, found on trains uh, at low rule yeah, but station, what, what, what bomb, what, So this has been going effect? on for a long time. People are not idiots. Uh, what effect? I think just making a wild, making a statement that nobody's insurance covers this is wrong. You got a parked car. Wrong. You get a parked car, and it's and it's deemed a terrorist act. 
your your car isn't covered. Well, you uh, need to look at. Okay, I think it was down to the individual policies, but we take. Okay, take yeah. take your point. Um, thank, yeah. Thanks, Mike, right. for, for for bringing that in. Two three three eight eight two six six. Okay, uh, got some reaction. Maybe let's just go now to uh, Alan Long, convener of the Path of Democracy. Mr. Long, good morning to you. Morning. What's your what, What's your take on this? Let me let me read you. This is an email from Peter, who's putting uh, his his case pretty strongly. Uh, Peter says it's obvious that Hong Kong has a domestic terrorism problem. During his speech at the UN Human Rights Council, the Deputy Commissioner of Police gave an insightful description of the black clad terror Hong Kong and its society has had to endure since the middle of last year. Just look at the footage of all the hundreds of violent protests and riots over the past couple of months. You are not dealing with poor students who are fighting for democracy and their constantly evolving spurious demands. They are fighting for democracy by trashing the very democratic values, freedoms of institutions, actual democracy is built upon. They've thrown tens of thousands of petrol bombs, destroyed shops, universities and infrastructure, attacked courts, intimidated and brutally beaten up innocent people. The intention is to destroy Hong Kong institutions and spread fear and terror through the community. We have explosive devices being planted nearly on a weekly basis. Bomb-making factories have been uncovered and bomb attacks luckily have been preempted by the police. The Hong Kong government has a constitutional and moral duty to protect the citizens of the SAR. It's time to call these crimes for what they really are, acts of terror, and they should be charged under anti-terrorism laws just as is done in Europe or the USA. That comes uh, from Peter. Uh, do you agree, Mr Lung? I agree with part of it that there is a serious threat that you know, 2.5 tons can kill a lot of people if it's, if it's exploded at the same time. But then how do you deal with it? As uh, Vic, Steve Vickett said, uh, you have to deal with the core problem. One from a police point of view is intelligence. Don't just, you know, just get on the job and don't keep on bullying kids and, and make those kids angry. Kids are very impressionable. And then get on with the intelligence. And then the CE has to control the police for their behavior, for beating up you know, the, those who are arrested, a cuff, and then still beating, beating them up. That spread hatred and reinforce the belief that, you know, kids, the belief of the kids that they are doing the right thing. It's a political thing, and political things can only be solved by a political solution, not police action. And just get on with it, both the uh, government at high level and, and, the, and, the, uh, and the police. So do you think that these, the violence has actually been spurred by frustration that the political issues are not being addressed at all? Clearly. I mean, we don't have to... Uh, I, I, I actually, I, I know how, how those... I, I didn't know, I just saw it. Uh, I don't know how how this 2.5 tons, uh, although they are chemicals, they are they can be bought legally in Hong Kong, I'm sure. And you just but the, the but the uh, the mix of the chemical, what what was there, clearly indicated it's a bomb making thing. And what happened? Uh, police has to get get on with it. I actually saw kids when you know I, I went hiking and and some some guy. Uh, took me to really out, out of the way path, climbing bushes and so on. I actually saw some kids testing things. I mean, when you test things, uh, the, the chemical didn't blow off and didn't cause damage. It's like the North Korean testing rockets and bombs. Eventually, they they would get the mix right. And this is a real threat. Threat and police has to get on with with the intelligence, which they clearly have. They're going doing a good job. 
but the government at the higher level, at the chief executive level, need to solve the political crisis using political means. Uh, 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 Peter, in that in that email, talks about you know the people of Hong Kong being being terrorised and and with people acting with this intention to spread fear and terror throughout the community. But I, I think you could argue also that um, Hong Kong doesn't feel very terrorised. These are there's a strange kind of uh, I don't people almost kind of ignore the, the 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 bombs. To be honest, they're not very big in any newspaper. Uh, except this this recent seizure, I think, has, has caught the headlines more. Yeah. The, the the threat, you know, the official threat level is medium. It ha- that hasn't changed at all. And there's kind of mutterings from Xinhua and so on about terrorism and so on, and the police, like we're moving towards terrorism or something like that. But it's not really something that people talk about, to be to be quite honest, or that is on many people's minds. Um, do, do you think that's true? People, I, people I, don't feel like we're, a, 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 you know, a, a city... Being terrorised? Personally, I hardly noticed those news because no, no real bombs came off. Yeah, and and the uh, and the, sh- the perspectives from Xinhua and from from Hong Kong must be very different because Xinhua deals deals with China, and in some parts of China, like Xinjiang, uh, they are dealing with real terrorism. Bombs can go off, go off, and and kill people. People slashes. Uh, using big, big, big knife uh, in Kunming uh, railway station, ten, tens and dozens of them. So the perspective from China and from Hong Kong is, is very different. And Hong Kong is, is really this frustration with, with, uh, with the, uh, with the uh, extradition law and let's deal with it. But on the other hand, you, you don't want to be naive about it and wait till a bomb does go off before yes, you then say, exactly. oh, yeah, actually we do have terrorism. Yes, in, in some way. Can I just jump in and say, yeah. I think it's a mistake to conflate uh, frustration with the government and the, uh, the anti, you know, people being annoyed with the police over dispersing them with, with hardcore people planting bums. I mean, 17th of January, the police seized, I think, 90 rounds of ammunition and a pistol. There was a shooting with a guy concerned, an AR-15 assault rifle. I mean, this pipe bombs on the 14th of January... I mean, this is, whatever your politics, and I, I don't want to get blue and yellow here, this is a, a group, a small group of people who are seeking to terrorize the people of Hong Kong using explosives. This is unacceptable. We should not, whatever side, whether you're yellow or you're blue, this is unacceptable to Hong Kong's people. And we should all stand together and say, we're against this, whatever your political view. And, and making excuses I, for these people is I, I certainly acceptable. agree with, with what Steve said. I, I, they should not be condoned. But let's look at, at the political rea- reality, too, that because of the demand not met and the moderates, the middle, many, many people who have no intention of doing those things are supporting some sort of violence. So that not that need to be soft, soft too. Okay, uh, we have uh, this is a question for you, I think, uh, Mr. Long. Uh, Andrew Kay says uh, you allow your guest to claim people are beaten up in police custody? Question mark. No requirement for him to provide any evidence. Why did you not ask him? I'm okay. Andrew Kay, you can pick up the phone and do it yourself. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> can have you got evidence of police being uh, police being beaten up in police custody? No, not in police custody. They are they are videoed. The video showing that during the arrest. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's, what, that's arrest. actually what you said. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Uh, and um, 
Uh, Andrew F. would like, this is for you, Fred Lee. Uh, he says, the 92 sign group already claimed responsibility and are funding their bomb making through a Bitcoin account. The 92 sign group isn't as catchy a name as the IRA or ISIS. I'll grant you, but the effect is the same. Please ask Fred Lee if this isn't terrorism in his word, then what word would he use for two and a half tons of bomb making materials and partially completed devices? Mr. Lee? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh uh, I, I really am not, not getting the message. You see, uh, th you th it's telling me that uh, those uh, people arrested are affiliated with IRA or... No, no, no. He's saying uh, it's, it's terrorism. He's saying, why do you not call it terrorism? What word would you use for two and a half tons of bomb-making equipment and partially completed devices? Andrew F. is saying this is terrorism. Of, of course, the bomb itself is terrorism, but I mean... You know, who are making the bomb? Are they fighting for independence of Hong Kong? Like in the IRA or like in the Middle East for the Palestinian, you know, the people, you know, they have a strong belief, you know, they have to, uh, independent of the nation, so they, you know, they use every bloody measures, you know, to scare people. I, I, I know that's terrorism. But in Hong Kong, you know, those people arrested, uh, they belong to a group that's fighting for independence of Hong Kong. That, that's my that's my analogy. So, so in terms of the bomb itself, it, it is, I'm sure, is terrorism. But so far, as what your guests all said, you know, uh, not real bomb was really hurting people yet. And touch wood, I hope, will not happen in future. Okay, well, uh, we're going to continue in just a moment and say goodbye for the moment to Steve Vickers. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Vickers, CEO of Steve Vickers and Associates, SVO Specialist uh, Political and Corporate Risk Consultancy. Quick email from Alex, uh, who says, uh, Popo say terrorist in Hong Kong rising, pot calling kettles black, communists forgetting great helmsman in 1938, saying political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Local Communist Party puppet, Hong Kong government and its army, Hong Kong Popo, now always drops wince drop pants pass wind you know my talkings thank you very much indeed always a pleasure alex uh the weather cloudy and slightly cooler with a few rain patches maximum temperature about 21 degrees moderate to fresh uh winds foggy on friday and then the weather improving gradually over the weekend the readings now 19 celsius and the relative humidity is at 75 percent be a precondition for discussions you're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chat on a Wednesday morning with Karen Coe and me, Hugh Chewett. And we're talking today uh, about terrorism. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, property, the property market and the impact of the coronavirus on the market here, here in uh, Hong Kong. Uh, we're talking today about the definition of terrorism, uh, whether it should be applied uh, in Hong Kong, whether the uh, uh, bomb uh, bombings uh, in recent weeks and, and months uh, constitute terrorism. Uh, we have with us now Fred Lee, a former lawmaker and political consultant and with an interest in, especially in, in the security issues, and uh, Alan Lung, who's convener of the uh, think tank Path of Democracy. Uh, as ever, you can call us on 233-88266. You can comment on our Facebook page or you can drop us an email. Uh, we've got some emails related to uh, the uh, coronavirus. We'll get to those maybe a, a little bit later. Tom on Facebook says, the example of the anti-government protests in Japan in the 1970s is interesting. This is also a very broadly support 
mass participation protest of university students, which gradually grew smaller and more violent, leading to a wave of bombings and assassinations of police officers until it ended with a standoff between the police and five armed gunmen and hostages in the Osama Sanso incident in 1972. A film documenting the standoff is played on Japanese TV every year as a cautionary tale, and the majority of Japanese lost interest in activist politics after this era. We see a lot of similarities with that movement today. Uh, it's the movement in today's Hong Kong. But without deep ideology or real organisation, it's possible the local protest movement will continue to evaporate. If we are lucky, the momentum will be absorbed into the yellow camp political movement and away from the black shirt, hate fueled violent protest. That uh, observation comes from Tom. Uh, Alan Long, do you, I mean, if you've got these kind of radicals, these people planting bombs, and then you've got a kind of mass uh, movement uh, as well, which, you know, arguably represents... Um, most people uh, in Hong Kong. What's what's the relationship between them? Do, uh, because, you know, it seems like the, those people in the yellow camp are slow to stand against or repudiate the extremists. Right. And, is that, and, is that uh, fair? And, and, Fred, and Fred Lee mentioned funding too. And those are the things the police got to uh, really focus on. Buying 2.5 tonnes of whatever costs money. Where, the, where does those money come from? I remember we've been talking about this funding issue for months now with you, actually. And I think eventually somebody like perhaps the Reuters who, who uncovered the story in very late last year, in December, late December, those people who have strong interest in Hong Kong as a financial market need to look deeper and and uh, find out what's what's really happening and who's really funding those those uh, those uh, disruptions i mean at the moment it's is sort of token terrorism uh, small bombs could just go blah 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 and then nothing happened if they got the formula right the testing right uh, i'm not sure i'm 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 not sure they they're using military technology they just i think they're just testing it themselves, eventually they will get the chemical right. And all you have to do is put it in a, in a car, put maybe a ton in a car, and de detonate it correctly. And if somebody has the power, they'll be tempted to do it. And that's really, really, that can cause real, real, real damage, loss of life and so on, like in Northern Ireland, like what Steve Dick has said. So, Alan Lung, do you, do you get the impression that these people are you know, highly organised and well-funded? They are funded, certainly, and nobody knows who's, whether they are well-funded or not. The only thing we know is what uh, uh, Bloomberg disclosed, there are 235 million Hong Kong in the market or something. I, I, may, I, I may get the figures wrong, but... It's hundreds of millions of dollars in the market. I mean, the uh, this the protest market. So, the police ought to be instead of making gesture. Oh, this is terrorism, and and let's look at what what good job we're doing. Intelligence are done quietly. Okay. Peter, come, come, in, come back, up back with another email. It says, Hugh, people living in Afghanistan, Lebanon, Israel, Paris, London and many other places in the world have all experienced terrorism and facing terror attacks multiple times per year. However, they don't talk about it every day. It doesn't mean they accept it, as life has to go on even under these threats. 
But in those places, the attacks are called for what they are, terror attacks, and charged accordingly under anti-terrorism acts. That comes uh, from Peter. That's Peter's uh, observation. OK, our number is 233-88266. We've got a caller on the line now. I think it's uh, Darren. Good morning. Yes, Hugh, good morning. Yeah, go ahead. Hugh, Dr. Darren Mann here. Hello. I've been a uh, visitor on your show uh, quite a few times recently. Uh, of course, we agree in any moral society... Uh, the killing of innocent uh, civilians in promotion of a political cause is to be condemned. But those of us that have experience of surgery in war and conflict zones will have witnessed the consequences of terrorist bombings uh, as part of our daily work. Um, when you examine the nature of terrorist groups, it's critically important to understand are they small, isolated cells with some form of unique ideological uh, calling? Or are they representative, are they the extreme end of a movement that enjoys popular support in the community as a whole? And the reason for this critical distinction is that it gives you uh, a clear indication on the basis of uh, history about how this uh, type of terrorism, if it occurs, will eventually end. Now, I think it would be clear to most people that what we see here in Hong Kong are the actions of a small extreme wing, but from a movement that enjoys a very high degree of popular support from the community. That also means that we have a critical opportunity here, a chance in Hong Kong, to prevent this extremist group from pursuing their uh, terrorist agenda. But it's important to understand that the way to prevent that happening is not through policing or law enforcement. I'm not saying that policing and law enforcement are not important in preventing crime. Of course they are. But history shows that when what you actually have is an insurrection or an insurgency, that involves a very high proportion of the population, you will not be able to police that out. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what the lessons from history are because, I mean, like Tom in a, you know, a Facebook was pointing out that what happened in Japan. I really don't know about this, but this Tom's yeah. version was that sure. anti-government protests, which had a broadly supported with mass participation, uh, and, we, and that, that grew smaller and more violent, uh, leading to bombings and assassinations, and so they kind of alienated themselves uh, uh, in that way. Yes, but that's, but that's a movement in which eventually you have small isolated cells, and in that situation that is uh, amenable to decapitation by law enforcement or army. But if you look at the history of the ANC, the IRA, ETA, and even the Taliban... Uh, when governments claim that they are not negotiating and that they're going to resolve this through law enforcement, in fact, generally speaking, exactly the opposite is true. And most uh, mature democracies recognize that negotiation with widely supported terrorist movements with community backing in which they survive and are hidden and are supported and supplied, it's essential. And, and at the point I would like to make here is that uh, resolution through political negotiation is by far the commonest way that terrorist, widely supported terrorist groups end. And in other words, they transition to a political process. And the critical point I want to make is the opportunity here 
is for a responsible chief of police to actually hold a mirror up to the government and say calls for more police, more laws and more law enforcement equipment will not solve this problem. A political solution is required and that's the opportunity that I think can be recognised and uh, it will be a rude day that we look back and see that missed opportunity. So, Dr Mann, are you basically saying that for the, for the government, um, the best choice for them is to listen to those five demands and to do something about them? I don't think that, uh, that I'm the only person saying that. I think if you listen to commentators at large, uh, and even those that um, that uh, do not agree with uh, any of the uh, uh, aims of this protest, they will recognise that political problems will require a political solution, as uncomfortable or unpalatable as that may be. Well, Fred Lee, do you want to respond? Do you agree or not, or what? Uh, I think we all agree, you know. Uh, so-called five demands starting, you know, last June, and uh, so far, you know, uh, the accountable, so-called accountable, you know, uh, uh, those uh, government people, nobody stepped down to, you know, to be accountable. And uh, the election of uh, Kerry, 777 votes, you know, and a lot of young people say, I don't have the right to vote. You know, but I, but I wouldn't it? But wouldn't it be giving way to terrorism if you start to treat it, approach it in that way? Well, Having said that, having said that, I'm totally, you know, disagree. If you're fighting for democracy, you use the bomb, okay? And I'm sure most of the Hong Kong people, including a lot of the those from Yellow Wing, Yellow Camp, uh, of course, are against using, you know, a bomb, particularly. They can, you know, endure, they can, uh, you know, accept some violent behavior against traffic light, against MTR station, you know, uh, because, you know, they can accept that, but not so far up, you know, to the using the bomb. That's for sure. Or crossing the line. Okay. Uh, uh, Darren, thank you very much indeed for your call. 233-88266, if you agree or, or, or not, uh, give, give us a call. Uh, and uh, this is uh, an email from Drake, uh, perhaps uh, Andrew K. This is a sort of address to you. Uh, Drake says, uh, typo Sunday, uh, Apple Daily caught on clear video a policeman sprinting along the driveway. He took a U-turn at a f roadside flower bed and ran up the pavement. The policeman pepper sprayed a fat guy behind the flower bed and ran off in a drive in a drive-by shooting fashion. The fat guy, who was in an ordinary T-shirt and trousers with nothing on his hands, yelled, uh, Mother F, I'm only grabbing food. To everyone's surprise, the two policemen turned back and bellowed, eat more, and pepper sprayed him again feverishly, directly in the face. Another policeman chased after them and gestured to them to move, gestured them to move on. That was a perfect resemblance of the force today. For every respectable policeman, he has to deal with two rabies, rabid colleagues. If there is a threat to our society, it's the horrible quality of the force that this regime is relying on to keep itself in power, and not the quote-unquote bombs. That's uh, Drake's take. Uh, and uh, Andrew F. responding to Alex says, Alex, it goes without saying that you're, you know my talkings, local patois impression is absolutely hilarious. 
Over the many emails you've written over the years, it's when I have any sides left. They've split so much. Do you do any others apart from Chinese? Maybe an Indian one, I'm thinking, or a southern black one, perhaps. That comes uh, from uh, Andrew F. Thank you much indeed uh, f for that. Um, uh, uh, Fred Lee, do, do you agree that it, that the relationship of the of, of this minority to the mass is important or do you think with terrorism is terrorism we should just treat it um, the same I, 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 I'm sure for my for my own assessment you know um, Hong Kong people you know now is really discredit the, the government especially those on top uh, whatever they say even you know you know handling this uh, virus issue, you see, so different from the SARS in, uh, in 2003. So uh, I think government do will even will have more trouble, more effort, and not even not even achieving the target. So uh, after this, this virus issues, I, I, I'm sure, I hope, I hope, you know, something changed in the government leadership and something, you know, measured a uh, proposal about how to go ahead in terms of our political system should be in, in come in the center of discussion and uh, nothing violent you know if you fight for a democracy okay we don't need bomb hong kong don't need bomb you know so we need we need demonstration we need partition we need the uh, election you know to vote down the pro establishment guy so the coming let's go election it's really, um, I would say, is a really critical one, you know, compared with all the last elections. Okay, well, Fred Lee, uh, former lawmaker and political consultant, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks to Alan Lung, convener of the Path of Democracy. A few more comments. TC on Facebook says the current attitude of the Hong Kong SAR government is that it won't respond to public demands expressed civilly, but rather violent or radical threats. Remember, it was only violent confrontation on the 12th of June that ended the extradition bill amendment. Also, it was only bomb threats placed in border crossings, as well as a strike from healthcare workers that led to the government to partially shut down the border with mainland China. Furthermore, from a philosophical point of view, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. In 1776, the British government probably considered a violent rebellion started by George Washington's militia in the 13 colonies to be terrorism as well. Same for how the Qing government viewed Sun Yat-sen. Uh, a more contemporary example would be how the military dictatorship in South Korea uh, viewed Kim Dae-jung. Um, thanks for those uh, observations. Uh, you can uh, further debate there. About, uh, the Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, we're going to talk just in a moment about, about property and uh, the effects of the uh, virus at the moment. First of all, some, some uh, emails related to uh, medical issues. John says, uh, Good morning. Referring to an earlier report today concerning high school children returning to school on the 20th of April, the speaker said that children would be educated on hygiene and spatial distancing. How is it possible to have spatial distancing with 30 to 40 kids in a classroom uh, asks john uh thanks for that uh s says in response to my concerns about the local gps and clinics taking swabs for testing for the virus professor nichols this was in yesterday's program compared to sars and said there were no infections of gps in clinics during sars I think that is a full sense of security as during SARS, not many GPs were directly involved in taking samples, etc. There is still added risk if this kind of testing is implemented. That's uh, from S. 
And uh, John Kowloon says, um, back chat, the Hong Kong government deserves credit for the manner in which it has thus far handled the C-19 virus. However, I'm unimpressed with its latest mandatory quarantine measures vis-a-vis travellers from Italy and parts of France, Spain and Germany, which I believe are flawed and insufficient. Take the directive for France, for an example. All Hong Kong inbound flights from France originate in Paris, which is not in the two specified high-risk eastern regions. Clearly, therefore, the airlines and Hong Kong airport staff will have to ask passengers whether they've been to either of those two areas. I suspect that faced with the unappealing prospect of 14 days in a Chateau Fautan quarantine centre, a number of passengers will simply deny having been there, even if they have been. The same theory applies to inbound passengers from Spain who's been, who've been to La Rioja, Madrid or the Basque country, and to inbound passengers from Germany who have never been to North Rhine-Westphalia. At the same time, I've heard of numerous examples of people who uh, had been in Italy and to avoid travel bans from that country, drove to neighbouring Switzerland, France and Austria to board flights. The bottom line is if the Hong Kong government is going to continue to win this battle against C-19, the quarantine policy should apply to all passengers coming from the designated high-risk countries, as well as bordering nations. That comes uh, from uh, John Kowloon. Thank you very much indeed for that. Once again, backchat at rthk, uh, dot hk. One more email on uh, our main topic today, terrorism, from Andrew, who says, Hi, backchat as rioting became widely used by the administration and the pro-democracy, pro-government stroke police regularly referring to people who were not rioting but protesting, we've heard the word terrorism used by anti-protesters and quoted PRC officials for some months. Does the term terrorism now simply enable a deeper suppression than the blanket term rioting to smother protests, additional to the CE's enacting of emergency laws and the police head's taste for mass arrests first sort out later tactics at protests from Christmas time till now? The wider public will surely be questioning police-found shoeboxes and chemicals that could make bombs, thinking this is simply the next wave of suppression to help squash any protests, as instructed by the Beijing Liaison Office. Public confidence would be higher if more details were given. That is from Andrew. Uh, Nicholas Brook joins us now, Chairman of Professional Property Services uh, Limited, to talk a little bit about the uh, property market. Uh, Mr Brook, good day to you. A long time good no see. Yeah, nice, yes, nice. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank, thanks for joining us. Um, we can going to get mixed signals about what effect this is all having uh you know we know sort of the economic damage what's actually happening with the property market what's actually happening with the residential property market at the moment do we know i think we do well um yes uh, as you say lots of signals um there some of them are mixed i mean i think just stepping back i mean you know we're coming off if you like what i sometimes describe as the golden decade of real estate uh, in particularly residential, values went up 180%, low interest rates, ample liquidity, shortage of supply and strong demand. So it, you know, it's often compared to SARS, but I think it's, today's very different. Yes, we've had this dub, triple whammy, if you like, of Sino-US debate, uh, demonstrations and virus. But it, the market, quite frankly, is, 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 is remarkably resilient. Uh, uh, I, I think free fall unlikely. I mean, holding costs are low, as you know, and are even lower now with the Fed making the reduction. Uh, And it's all about future supply, because the future supply is definitely what I describe as digestible. Um, And indeed, the government is way behind in terms of uh, producing the necessary supply uh, to meet demand. Um, And this is propping up the market, obviously, in a major way. We We are seeing developers' discounts. We are seeing agents incentivized, if you like, and 
they're able to pass some of that discount on to potential buyers. But um, uh, the signs, uh, you know, the signs at the moment are that uh, um, we're on track and we may we may suffer some adjustment, um, but nothing major significant, I think. Mm. So, Nicholas, what about some of the other sectors like um, retail, commercial, and industrial? What are we going to see there? Well, pain, pain, pain. I think is the honest answer. It's certainly in the retail sector, obviously. Uh, particularly if you're looking at uh, the top-end luxury purchases, uh, luxury goods. Um, uh, Landlords offering major rental discounts, obviously, already. Um, uh, uh, A lot of rationalisation going on amongst retailers. I think we're going to see um, uh, a lot of consolidation. Um, A lot of premises will become available um, and have to be put to other use. So I think retail is is an area which to watch closely and I you know I think we could see 15 20 25 percent reduction in rents and values will obviously follow that sort of reduction um, office um, depends on location I think um, central um, I think is under some pressure because of the, pr- of the pricing if you like um, decentralized locations Quarry Bay and the like uh, Kuntong I, I think will be in more demand because obviously as life gets tougher from a business perspective, people are going to be looking to see how they can minimise and reduce costs. Industrial, um, I think, uh, propped up by government's uh, industrialisation conversion scheme, as you know, they're encouraging people who own industrial buildings to convert them to commercial use and incentivise them to do so. So I think there we will probably see only a minor adjustment in values. So retail is going to suffer the most, if you like, followed by, I think, uh, office could be down 15, 20%. Residential, probably. Depends. You need to divide residential up into three sectors. I think you've got the units up to, say, 10 million, which, you know, where you can, uh, through insurance, you can have a mortgage of up to 90%. So carry land through a policy address has propped up that that end of the market. Uh, And I see values holding their own there. But 10 to 50, which is your upgrader market, there I would see... uh, some adjustment, and then obviously 50 plus, if you like, 50 million plus is where we're missing our Chinese buyers. Mm. And in that middle rank, what, when you say an adjustment, what are you talking about? 10 to 15, I think. What, in the of coming the year kind of thing? Uh, well, you know, within this year. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, you know, the debate is how long the virus is going to be with us, but, but much more importantly, I think, how long the it will take for the impact to work its way through. And if other parts of the world are suffering um, into next year. You know, we always catch a cold when the rest of the world is suffering as well. Um, it, it could be that we have a 10 to 15 percent correction this year, and then we may have the correction may well go on into next year. Will there still be a market, though? Will there still be people buying and selling? It, well, there are people buying. That's for sure. You know, the people still wanting to get on the ladder, first-time buyers um, particularly, and they're incentivised, as I said, by this insurance mortgage scheme. Um, government can only produce uh, best about 13,000 units, uh, private sector units a year, which is way below the 25, 30,000 we used to produce. So government, in a way, is propping up the market by failing to meet supply targets. 
Mm. Nicholas, just on on retail, we know that globally retail as a sector is in decline. I mean, everywhere in the world, malls are closing. People are not going out to shop because the shop comes to them. You can order online as much as you want, have it delivered, send it back for free. What will this do to the way, you know, the retail sector really fundamentally changes itself? Well, I... I think every retailer is looking at that as, as, a, as a, an issue, if you like. Um, obviously, um, they have to change their business model, if you like, and they have to uh, uh, do much more um, uh, offline, uh, oh, sorry, online than they, they, they do at the present time. Um, and deliveries and uh, service will be will be key. I think what we'll see is a lot of space come available in podiums at you know second floor level space that is relatively inaccessible, etc. So there'll be a rationalisation within the shopping centres that, that things will be consolidated on ground first floor. And we'll see the likes of education, clinics and, and, and the like, I think, taking possession, if you like, of the upper floors of shop, shopping centres. When there were a lot of people uh, working from home, uh, and I think people are still doing, you know, maybe some larger meetings and so on will be done online and so on, there was speculation that, you know, maybe, um, you know, people would do a lot more business uh, online and you didn't have to have your, your office in Central um, and put all your staff there and everything like that. Is there any sign of that? Do you have any, do you hear people talking about that? that yes, uh, it's, a, it's a topic of major discussion, the new norm is some of us describe it, uh, um, and certainly professional services are, are finding that they you know, they can deliver um, uh, using this mobile mod- model, if you like, with people working from home or different locations. Um, obviously, issues around productivity and uh, security um, and trust are all involved. But I can I can see it becoming a an alternative business model for some sectors. I mean, I think finance are going to have to have their office type regimes if you like but people who can who can be mobile i think are coming to quite like this new model and if you've got zoom and the rest you know you can communicate perfectly adequately anywhere in the world um what, just another couple of another interesting thing sure. when you look at the hong kong property developers we saw that Wheelock about two weeks ago is going to take itself private. Hopewell took itself private last year. What are they? What are these developers seeing that um, is, is is incentivizing them to do this? Well, to be honest, uh, it's a wider issue. Property companies should never be public, in my view, uh, in the sense that the decisions they're making are, are not annual type decisions, and you know it's very difficult to satisfy shareholders on an annual basis uh, unless you're trading in property in a major way. Uh, you know, most of your decisions are three to five year decisions and um, it's difficult to explain those to shareholders and satisfy them with a dividend every year. So um, it's not surprising. And I think we'll see more property companies uh, going private over time just because it gives them that wider discretion in terms of their business strategy and business planning. Okay, well, Nicholas Brook, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning, Chairman of uh, Professional thank Property you. Services. Uh, just a couple of uh, emails to uh, round up. Uh, okay, so Alex responding to, I can't remember who it was, who would, uh, I think it was Andrew F. Uh, Alex says, uh, this, with the subject line, sorry, says, this Hong Kong, we sadly China country peoples, first monarchy, then nationalist, now communists. All they who running China do not do right by people, so peoples revolt. We condemn to suffer China style. Hope next life born Indian or anywhere else but China. You know my talkings. It comes uh, from Alex. 
And uh, Andrew F, uh, I think responding to uh, Andrew, uh, different Andrew, uh, says, um, the hackneyed one, person, one's one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter shtick never gets old. And yeah, 2020 Hong Kong has 1776 written all over it. It's just factually not true to say that the government's border response was a direct result of the bomb threat or that the bill was shelved only once violence broke out. You could argue the opposite, actually, that when terrorism starts, the government can use that as a reason not to meet demands or at least delay response as it obviously loses control if it's seen to give in to violent threats. Article 23 and the Education Bill were both withdrawn through peaceful mass protests in which I took part, and I have no doubt with millions on the street, the extradition amendment would have gone the same route. Comes uh, from Andrew F. Thank you, everyone, who uh, emailed in. Interesting discussion mm. uh, this morning. Karen, many thanks to Thank you, you. And thanks to uh, producer Michelle, as ever. Uh, here's the weather before we go. It's going to be cloudy and slightly cooler with a few rain patches. Maximum temperature today, 21 degrees. Uh, the outlook, a few rain patches tomorrow. Foggy on Friday. The weather improving gradually over the weekend. 19 degrees now. Humidity at 75%. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these measures to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus in the community. For more information on fighting the virus, visit chp.gov.hk. 9.33 then, news with Samantha Butler. Schools and places of worship are to be closed for two weeks in a suburb near New York in an effort to contain one of the worst outbreaks of coronavirus in the U.S. Local media are reporting the outbreak centres on a synagogue in New Rochelle. Nationwide, over 760 people have been infected. The British government has defeated a rebellion from its own Conservative MPs over the decision to give the Chinese technology company Huawei a role in building the UK's 5G data network. And the former Vatican Treasurer Cardinal George Pell is making a final attempt in Australia's top court to overturn his conviction for child sex abuse. Pell, who's 78, was sentenced a year ago. He lost a first appeal in August. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, interpreter of Beethoven, as well as oh shy, quiet, and retiring doggy counts, co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for cats. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning again and welcome to Wednesday. Let's see what's happening today. Well, Janice Jensen from Nevis Animal Speak. She's busy listening to the crickets this morning, so walkies will resume next week. However, going to start with a fascinating tale of China's Russian princess. Add in a little 1930s politics concerning China and the Soviet Union and some extremely influential geezers in both places... And you've got a brand new biography by author Mark O'Neill, who joins me on the line at 1010. 11.30 plus, RTL France's man in Hong Kong, Philippe Devar, will be with you for today's soupçon of Frenchness, including all that 70s cheesy music you didn't know you could live without. 12.10, we're popping back into town to visit Chris Watts once again, live from his Motion Dynamics studio.